0: I have a question for you to start. Do you like to read? Raise your hand if you like to read. Do you read but not necessarily like it? (laughs) Honestly, that probably is more my category. If I don't read, well, we have nothing to talk about on Sunday morning, right? (laughs) I have to read. I can't say that I long to read, but I enjoy reading, I guess. Um, Your wife loves to read, Yes, she does. She's a reading specialist, and she. When did you did you start? Did you come out a mom and say, "Give me a book"? Pretty Pretty much, much, right? So I'm I'm I've got this whole new section of my library now. One of one of my favorite books right now is called The Woodland Dance. It's a it's a cardboard book. I I wish I wish that they were like that (laughs) for me. The Woodland Dance. The fox calls all the animals. Out of the forest for a day of prancing and one, two, three, one, two, three, time to begin. And so we have this morning routine. I come over and we do the Emmett transfer here in the parking lot, drive him home 10 minutes, and he's calm because I sing to him the whole time, which is really interesting. And he actually likes it. And then we get in the house and he sees grandma, biggest smile in the history of earth. And then we go over to the couch and I sit in the corner and he sits next to me and the kid loves books. Whenever he's not calm, hand him a book, voom. They're like Xanax to him. Voom. They're just, <laughs> he, he calms right out, man. He's just, he's chill with the book. And so the Woodland Dance is one of our favorites, and the first page talks about the fox, has the job of calling all the animals in the forest. And the second page you turn, and he calls them with a bugle. To-do! to doo I don't want to give away the whole story, because you may want to buy this. But anyway, he calls them with a bugle. We've been reading this now for a couple months. And this week, we're sitting there, and I turned a bugle page, and I go, and I can hear this little noise. And I'm like, did I just hear what I thought I heard? And so we read it again. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, we're getting it, to the point that by Thursday, when I turned the page, I did not even have to do and he did it for us.
1: He's a big-time mimicker now, and that's it's a big-time a mi- problem for me. <laughs> so, it's the best. It's the, I'm, I'm telling you what. this is. <clears throat> let's hope that he doesn't soon start walking and follow my, my pantry habits, because then Riley will know how much candy I eat. That be a problem. <laughs> We
0: are having a blast. So get the woodland dance, read it. Again, I won't tell you the rest of the story. It's pretty fantastic. You got your uh, weekend update and on the update, you have a Thanksgiving dinner coming up.
1: Yeah, so we've made it a a tradition of ours at Revive to to just spend a night uh, enjoying some extra time together and having everybody bring something for uh, like a group, you know, family style Thanksgiving dinner. We set up tables in the in the gym that go like from one end of the gym to the other. And uh, so tonight we're going to be signing up for those. And we always take care of the big stuff. Um, so don't worry, you're not going to be assigned a turkey. Uh, but we also know that when kids sign up for things, it's usually a surprise to the parents. <laughs> They're signing uh, up a parent. So, uh, so just know that the kids might be coming home with with something like corn or something. You don't need to make 57, you know, 100 bags of, of frozen corn or something. But um, but that's that's going to be coming up on the 19th, so so they'll get there. they'll choose what they want to bring. And we always encourage our, our kids, like, if your family makes something really, really good, uh, like, just bring a, a small tray of that. I, the Brooks in the past have brought, I, I always forget the name. It's like this corn mash mess. I don't even know what it's, what? Well, what is it called? What, what's it called? Sweet corn fufu Spoonbread. bread? Spoon bread. Spoon <laughs> bread. Spoon bread. Not fufu bread. Sweet corn spoon bread. And yeah, so I, I've done a great job selling it, but that's because I don't want anyone else to eat it. I want it. That stuff is so, so good. Um, so if your family makes something like, like that, you know, um, feel free to, to send it off with the kids. Get, get your practice in before uh, the, big, the big meal coming that Thursday.
0: I had a kid in my first youth group, my only youth group named Jimmy Hootman and Jimmy you know we lived in Florida and he was going to visit his relatives I think it was in Tennessee and um he he was very excited about Thanksgiving came back home and he still had this look on his face like I can't believe what I just did they had a, they had a Thanksgiving possum not kidding that's different. If you have Thanksgiving uh, possum, please don't bring it, okay? <laughs> yeah, just, no. just keep that to keep yourself. Keep your possums so. and raccoons like, yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, right? Don't ew, ew, that way. Ew. I Yikes. know, I know. Thank you so much for all the stuff you brought this morning. It was fun. I mean, the boxes, the yeah. gifts, we're already in great shape, and I know there's a second service to go. Yeah. Uh, Julie was just Overwhelmed near tears today with with everything that everybody is bringing, so that 's really, really great
1: yeah, we appreciate that too because our, our kids are going to be doing all that packing, so anything that wasn 't prepackaged we 're going to be putting it all together and making sure that it 's all all set because they, they have like specific guidelines or requirements on what can be wrapped and what can 't be so uh, so some of those they, in the past, like they've literally shown on the website that, uh, that they might rip open the gift if it's not wrapped properly. So we're gonna take care of that and it's, it's gonna be a really, really cool thing. So thank you again for, for your generosity and for, for helping us uh, do a service project.
0: And Thanksgiving's not far away, which means the next month is coming December 1st. We have a, a great Christmas program coming up as well as the opportunity for our kids to be involved in a, in a choir, which I think you can still sign up for given the fact that it's there register by the 19th so you still have a few more days to go on that <clears throat> we are in the middle of these practices of diving into these practices together we've been reading together and again i've just been so encouraged a number of people that are going through proverbs every day this is our second run through reading a, a chapter of proverbs every day we read the chapter that corresponds with the date so for example today is the 12th we're reading proverbs chapter 12. Uh, we're praying together three times a day. And one of the things we're doing on Sunday morning then is bringing one of those prayers to our time of communion. So today we'll be experiencing praying for the lost as we head into communion. And then let's stick around together. So we're, we're hanging out for seven minutes after the service. And, and I'm really... <clears throat> it's been a fun mix on this, mm-hmm. right? It's been fun to see... You know, obviously the extroverts go, Yay! The introverts go, oh, i got to go to the bathroom. And... Uh, <laughs> But the problem is now the bathroom is crowded because you're all in there saying hi. So anyway, uh, but it's been fun to have this time of just hanging out together. So again, we're going to read, we're going to do our Proverbs reading right now. And why don't we do this
1: uh, a verse at a time, okay? So you start with one. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction (laughs) is stupid.
0: You know, I, I love that they use that word, honestly. I know... We teach our kids not to, you know, don't say stupid. But stupid is a good word. It can be. I mean, it really, classically, classically, stupid is, I mean, stupid. So, uh, don't be stupid. The Bible says so. Good people obtain favor from the Lord, but he condemns those who devise wicked schemes.
1: No one can be established through wickedness, but the righteous cannot be uprooted. A wife of noble character is her husband's crown. Yay! But a disgraceful wife is a decay in the bones. Yikes. (laughs) The plans of the righteous are just, but the advice of the wicked is deceitful. The word of the wicked lie and wait for blood, but the speech of the upright rescues them. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous stands firm. A person is praised according to their prudence.
0: And one with a warped mind is despised.
1: Better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be a somebody and have no food. I love that
0: one. We literally had uh, friends in St. Louis who bought the the most beautiful house they could buy so that everybody would see their beautiful house and there was nothing inside. But everybody thought they had a great house, you know? And that's what this verse is speaking to, right? Don't pretend to be something you're not. The righteous care for the needs of their animals but the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. I love that. It actually talks about taking care of Griffey. That's awesome.
1: Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. (laughs) The
0: wicked desire the stronghold of evildoers, but the root of the righteous endures.
1: Evildoers are trapped by their sinful talk, and so the innocent escape trouble. From the
0: fruit of their lips, people are filled with good things, and the work
1: of their hands brings them reward. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Fools show their
0: annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. You may want to just sit with that one for a minute. Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. You don't have to grab every insult and run with it.
1: Breathe. Go. An honest witness tells the truth but a false witness tells lies.
0: The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue
1: of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. No harm overtakes the righteous, but the wicked have their fill of trouble.
0: The Lord detests lying lips. That's not the only time we're going to hear that in Proverbs. The Lord detests lying lips, but He delights in people who are trustworthy.
1: The prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly.
0: Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in
1: forced labor. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. The righteous choose their friends carefully
0: but the ways
1: of the wicked lead them astray. The lazy do not roast any game, but the diligent feed on the riches of the hunt.
0: Mm. In the way of righteous, there is life. Along, the path, along that path is immortality. Again, God, we thank you for your word, for its, for its simplicity and straightforwardness. That through what your word says, we can, we can know the right way to live. And we can also be corrected when we're walking the wrong path and pray today that we would not just see proverbs as a reading project but that we would see that this is actually the way you want us to live and that we would walk in these truths in jesus name amen so we started a series last week we're calling it discerning the will of god i gotta tell you i mean i i appreciate the fact that god called me to teach i love being able to take the word of god open it and uh, hear what God has to say and talk about it with his people. And um, I enjoy series after series, and then every once in a while a series comes along that I'm like, man, I love this series. And this is one of them. I mean, I'm so psyched about this. I'm not kidding. I I got it all together last Monday, slides and all. I was ready ready to send out an email to you all saying, get back here. We got to go again. We got to go again. Because this is just, we need to hear. We need to understand. How do we discern the will of God? There's so many of us that are in in the middle of major decisions. We all make decisions all the time. Every day you're constantly making decisions. And then there are the major decisions of life. And honestly, God is in all of them. He's not just in the biggies, he's in all of them. We constantly should have our ear to God asking, God, what do you want? What's the path you want me to take? Where do you want me to go? Because every path leads to something exciting and amazing in in terms of the adventure we're on with God. So God, where are you taking me today? The simplest thing, a turn right or a turn left, can open a door that we didn't even know was there. God wants us to be. God wants to be in on our decision making, and so we started talking about the will of God. And as we did, we saw that that the word of God refers to at least three different uh, ideas regarding His will. It talks about His sovereign plan; that He is the Creator of the universe, and He has a plan for all things. And His plan cannot be thwarted. As much as it seems like evil rules, evil does not rule. God is over all things. He is sovereign. Uh, It talks about a moral pathway. The moral pathway is the do this, don't do that. This is right, this is wrong. This is wise, this is foolish. And so he lays out for us his moral pathway. And then he has specific desires for each of us, an individual plan for each of us. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has a plan for your existence. He has a reason that you exist in 2023 in Shanahan, in this place, in this time, with the people you're with. He has a plan for you. These are referred to as God's sovereign will, his moral will, and his individual will. And as we're looking at the will of God, we learn something important from Deuteronomy 29.29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we might obey all the words of the law. What we learn is that there are things God doesn't tell us, and that's okay. We're learning how to walk in trust. We're learning how to walk by faith, just like Hebrews 11 tells us. People who walked by faith and not sight. And so it's okay that God knows some things and we learn how to trust him with what he has not revealed. But then there are parts that he has clearly revealed. He's clearly said, this is what I want or this is what I don't want. And he gives us both, both his secret will and his revealed will. And we're trying to understand, what is it that God desires for us? As we unpacked this last week, and if, if you weren't here, you can watch it or listen to it. But I'm just giving you a quick review here. We we talked about why we're why we're referring to discerning God's will versus knowing God's will. A lot of people talk about I want to know God's will. It's not bad to say that. I just think that words mean things, and a lot of times when we're referring to knowing the will of God, it implies arriving at a point of revelation. I finally know the answer. Life isn't about knowing the answer. Life is about walking in mystery with God. It's about trusting Him. It's about having faith in Him. So discerning implies that we're on a journey of transformation. We're walking with Him. We're trusting Him as we walk along the way. We define discernment with several lines. It's the ability to think biblically about all areas of life. Any decision that's coming to me, I'm using the Word of God in order to understand the path. It's the ability to choose between what is right and what is true and what is false and what is wrong. It's examining options while relying on God for direction. We know what the options are, and we're talking to him and asking him for direction. It is a spiritual gift as well that some people have, and yet all of us are commanded to be discerning people, and it is rooted in wisdom. So today we're going we're to talk about discernment training. How do we grow in discernment? If we're supposed to discern the will of God, how do we grow in discernment? What does that look like? And I want to take you back to this verse that we saw last week because I think it really it defines it all. Hebrews 5.14 says, solid food is for the mature. It's saying there are parts of the Word of God that honestly are they are not as easy to understand. It's for people who have grown in spiritual maturity to understand these things. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish right from wrong, good from evil. Do you see what God's saying there? I think for a lot of us, we think when we become Christians, we're going to be, we're going to be super zapped into spirituality. Boom, there it is. No, it's, it's, a, it's a path of transformation. It's a path of growth. The power of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And so we're learning along the way. It's like when a little baby is learning, this is what hot feels like. I'm not doing that again. We're going through life, and we're learning as we're going through life. We're seeing patterns. We're walking with God, and our discernment is growing along the way. So, how do we train in discernment? How does it work? What are the basics of discernment training? Well, first of all, you'd have to say when it comes to discernment training, it's what you know it's what you know it's that the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever and ever that we may obey all the words of the law it's what you know God has given you this word this is his revealed will to us and we're to read it so that we can know what he wants you can say God I don't know what you want well that's pretty thick he's already got a lot that he's told us right You may not know specifics of your life this day, but here's what you do know. God has given an awful lot of commands that we're supposed to walk in, we're supposed to obey. It's what you know. God wants us to, every believer, not just the pastor and the missionary, every believer is supposed to get to know what's in the Word of God. Why? Well, because as we do this, we grow the mind of Christ. We start thinking the way Jesus would think when we read what the Word of God has to say and obey what it says. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the ruining of the, your mind. You know how that works in modern life? The spiritual person dives into this to understand the world and develop a worldview. The unspiritual person absorbs all the tiktok they can and tiktok tells them what to think and we have people who are actually forming their spiritual walk based based on little mini video clips as opposed to diving into the word of god and allowing it to transform the way we think because guess what tiktok is transforming the way people think too and god's saying this is what i want you to follow This is what you need to read. This is what you need to know. That's how our minds are renewed. So, what do we need to know in the Bible? What it's a thick book. Can I I get to just the parts that matter? What do I need to know? What do I need to know? Well, first of all, you need to know the overt commands. There are some commands that are just clear as day. You, You don't know what I'm talking about? Read the Ten Commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not lie. Do not, I mean, do not steal. Really, you got to think about those. Those are overt commands. They're there, laid out, black and white. The Bible says things like don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It means don't let anything control you the way the Spirit of God is supposed to control you. Bible says don't commit adultery. Well, but, no well, but. Those are overt commands from God, period. Black and white, plain as day. Deuteronomy 30 says, Moses is talking, this is toward the end of his life, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult or beyond your reach. Some people think oh it's so hard to know what God has to say. It's not too difficult or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so you have to ask who will ascend to heaven to get it and proclaim it so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that we have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. No. The word is very near to you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart so that you can obey it. It's not that tough to understand. If you're having a tough time with do not steal, ask a five year old. They'll tell you what it means. Do not lie. They'll tell you what it means. It's not that tough to understand. Moses said, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, his decrees, and his laws. Then you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. This day I call on heaven and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God and listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. I love that line. The Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We need to know the overt commands. I've said it many times and keep saying it. If you're relying on all your Bible intake on Sunday morning, you're starving to death spiritually. You need to get into it during the week. And there are all kinds of tools to get you into it. I'm not talking about reading devotionals. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Take it in. Overt commands. Beyond overt commands, we need to know timeless principles. This is the genius of the Word of God, but it may not seem like genius until you understand it's genius. God revealed His will to us in time and culture. He revealed it to us at a specific time in a specific place. What does that mean? The Bible talks about donkeys and sheep and grist mills, and all kinds of things that aren't part of modern life. And we read those things and go, I don't need a command about my donkey. I don't have a donkey. Or I don't need a command about mold in my tent. I'll never go camping. I'm never going to go camping. I don't need to worry about that particular verse. And what we need to understand is God in his brilliance wrote the Word of God, bound in culture, and what we're supposed to do is look at that cultural example and then try to understand how does it relate to today because it does. It does. He gives us timeless principles embedded in His Word that relate to today. So let me give you an example of what we already talked about. Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. He didn't say Jack Daniels. Hmm. Guess I can do that. He didn't say weed. Woo! Go weed. <laughs> what is he doing? He's using an example at the time of what the people would tend to get drunk on. And he's saying, allow the Spirit to control you and don't you ever let anything else control you the way the Spirit controls you. You know what that means? He's talking about ho-ho's. He's talking about Work. He's talking about anything that might grab control of my life in the way that the Spirit is controlled supposed to control my life. He's not just saying, wine, be careful. He's saying, anything that might control you, the way the Spirit is supposed to control you, don't do it. Don't follow it. Be controlled by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. And so we always need to look beyond and ask ourselves, okay, this doesn't seem to apply because I don't own a tent, but you do own a house. What's going on here? What's the timeless principle that God wants us to know? So we need to know the overt commands and the timeless principles of the Word of God. Then there are just patterns and pathways. One of the reasons I recommend reading through the the whole Bible, if you can do it once a year, great. If it takes you more than a year, that's fine but reading through the whole Bible is because you start to see patterns and practices. And if you listen to it, you start to hear patterns and practices. I'm listening to Ezekiel right now. And this is like the third prophet that says these words, I, the Lord, have spoken. I, the Lord, have spoken. And after a while, you hear that and you go, those words must have mattered. Something was going on there. But we also see patterns in the life of people We see patterns in the life of the people of God. So, you're reading about the nation of Israel, and they are stuck in slavery for 400 years. Who doesn't want to get out of slavery? And God miraculously delivers them through 10 plagues, and woo, party time, we're going, this is the best. And they hit the Red Sea, and oh, we should have just stayed back in Egypt, we're gonna get slaughtered out here. And God parts the water, and they walk across on dry ground. Here's my question. Would you ever need to see another man miracle from God. Would that not be enough? A couple days later there's no water. Well, there's no water. We're going to die out here. Well, God stinks. God gives them water. You know, we're out here. We're hungry. Well, he throws popcorn from the sky with butter and salt. You know, he miracle after miracle after miracle. And you're reading this and you're going, "What a bunch of ungrateful slobs." How can they keep getting so hacked off with God? huh, well, I've had Red Sea's part. I've had popcorn from the sky. I've had water gush from a rock. And I've said, God, what have you done for me lately? We see the patterns and the practices. We, see the, we start to see patterns of who God is and how God works. If you don't get the idea from the Old Testament that God hates sin, you're not reading the same Bible I'm reading doesn't hate sinners, but he hates sin. He wants us to avoid sin. You see patterns and practices. So all of these things, he wants us to know the overt commands. He wants us to know the timeless principles. He wants us to know the patterns and pathways. This is way before we get to know what God's individual will for us is. We just want to know what's his moral law. And then what do we need to know? We need to know the conveyor of the commands. We need to know God himself, which means in the basics of discernment training, it's not just what you know, it's who you know. It's not just what you know, you need to know some things, but it's who you know. And here's the great danger, and it's been the great danger ever since the beginning of time, that we'll know the rules and we won't know the rule giver. Some of you come from backgrounds, that whether, whether, it, whether it is Roman Catholic, fundamentalist, Baptist, Presbyterian, non-denominational, it doesn't matter what it is. You've come from backgrounds where whether it was your parents or your church, they stressed the rules, the rules, the rules, the rules. And people were commended for obeying the rules. And there's nothing wrong with obeying the rules. But it's not just about obeying the rules. It's about knowing the rule giver. It's about knowing who God is. Why do I obey? Not to just be a good boy. I obey because I'm in relationship with God because I want to please God. I don't disobey, not because it's bad for me, though it is, but because I don't want to displease God. It's about the relationship with him. That's what matters. And so you want to know what the will of God is? You've got to know God. You've got to enter into relationship with God. It is not enough to be moral. We have a whole bunch of people in churches that have been trained to be moral, but they've not been trained how to have a relationship with God. You know, there's a reference, and I've, I've said it probably, I know some of us have said it, that America is a Christian nation. And to some degree, that line is not true. Listen to me before you turn me off and go somewhere else, okay? Okay? <laughs> America was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. There is no question. If you doubt that, you're not willing to read the founding documents and to get to know who the founders were. It was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. And it was founded by some people who did not have a relationship with God. If we were to refer to this as a Christian nation, you know what that means? Everybody's a Christian. Lots of people in the history of America have not been a Christian and yet, they followed Judeo Christian principles. They followed the rules of the Bible. And you know what? That's not been all bad. We've actually experienced common grace. Even though some people have not been believers, we've experienced the common grace of walking the same path. And as we've watched the moral fabric just pulled string after string after string, guess what you get? What we got right now. It's not all bad to follow the rules. But if you follow the rules and don't know God, guess where you end up for eternity? Not heaven. you got to know God. So if you want to know what God wants, it's not just knowing what you can know here it's knowing who he is it's entering into a relationship with god through jesus christ it's it's ending the era of i've done all these good things so i'm going to end up in heaven and realizing there is none righteous no not one no one understands no one pleases god and the only way to god is grace through faith in jesus christ that's it and you finally let go of the rule keeping in order to earn heaven And instead you obey because you love pleasing God. And you avoid doing what is wrong because you don't want to break his heart. There are things in my relationship with my wife that I do because it pleases her. And there are things I do not do. Believe it or not, I've gotten better at dressing. There are things (laughs) I do not do. I, I walked out, I'm not kidding, earlier today. I walked out and I had this hiked up like this. And I could see the look of, you're not going to church like that, are you? I still had to put on my belt. But I got the eye, you know what I mean? What are you doing there? This isn't some new fashion statement. Don't be dumb. I, I know her, and I want to do things that please her and reflect well on her. And I don't want to do things that embarrass her, because I love her. And the same is true with us in God. I want to do the right thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing because I care about my relationship with God. From the very beginning, what does the Bible say? The Lord walked with his people in the garden in the cool of the day. He wanted relationship with them. Psalm chapter 46 uses these words. Be still and know that I am God. I love when we refer to our time with God as quiet time. Bible reading and prayer time is great. I'm not saying the label is magic, but what does quiet time imply? For a change, I'm going to just shut up and listen. I'm going to be quiet in the presence of God. I'm going to listen to his voice. Be still so that you can know he is God. That term in Hebrew literally means to leave off, to relax, to let go of your grip. Stop controlling and know who's in control be still. Other verses in Psalm. Be still in the presence of the Lord. Wait patiently for him attack. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Waiting in his presence. He wants a relationship with you. I wait quietly before the Lord. My victory comes from him. Let all that I am wait quietly before the Lord, for my hope is in him. Do you see the relational context of this silence? I'm with God, being quiet with him. Samuel, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. What a, great, what a great way to spend time in our quiet time. God, speak. Your servant is listening. I'm open to whatever you want. You're developing the relationship. So many relationship words when it comes to our, 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 our connection with God. John 15 refers to abiding in God, remaining in, remaining in God. John 14, he says, I'm going to go to prepare a place so you can be with me, so that we can be together. <clears throat> Matthew 26 Watch with me. Could you not watch with me for one hour? Couldn't you just pay attention with me for one hour? James 4.8, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. So the basics of discernment training, it's what you know and it's who you know. And here's the third. It's what you do with what you know. It's what you do with what you know. God is not looking for you to be a well-educated, absolute. I mean, you, you could quote the laws of Leviticus like no human being has ever been able to. And not obey one thing God says. This whole, the Word of God was not given us for knowledge alone. The Word of God was given to us for transformation. It was to change our entire being. Changing our thinking changes our entire being. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking, he says, Anyone who hears these words of mine, and puts them into practice. Do you see both together? He doesn't say, everybody who obeys, who, who memorizes this sermon is cool. He says, no, you obey, you, you hear it, and you put it into the practice. Well, you're like the guy who built his house upon a rock as opposed to the guy who built his house upon sand, and when the storm came, this guy was able to stand in the storm, and this guy, swoosh, he was washed away. The rains came down and the flood. you know the song. Anyway, Jesus says it's not just about knowing. It's about doing something with what you know. He's not just looking for people who are well-educated. He's looking for people who are being transformed by what they know. James 1, don't merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourself. Don't say, I went to church today, so all is okay. No. Hear what the Word of God has to say and do what it says and then he goes on with this analogy of the person who do, does what it says is like, like a person who, who looks in the mirror and sees a mess and walks away and says, oh well, as opposed to doing something about it. This whole idea of doing what God says and relationship with God, this is where our relationship with the Spirit of God comes in. The Spirit of God is the one that's helping us to know the path we're supposed to take. He's the one guiding us along the way. Galatians 5 Paul says, walk in the Spirit. If you're walking in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. A little little further in the passage, he says, if we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. I, I love that. I love that term. I understand walking in the Spirit, but keeping in step is me making sure I'm walking at the same pace as the Spirit. I'm keeping in step with the Spirit in my life. Jesus said that he had to leave. Why? So the spirit of truth could come and he would guide us in all truth. So as you're reading the word of God, and as you're getting to know who God is, one of the things you're doing is relying on the spirit, not only to reveal what the word says, but then to say, help me to understand how I'm supposed to live this out. What happens is when we start messing with our relationship with the spirit, we end up with discernment distortion. You wonder sometimes why a person, it seems like they're walking with God, and all of a sudden they've just, they've taken the the life car and off-road, and you're like, what's happening here? They're going through a discernment distortion. Why? Maybe they've chosen to grieve the spirit. The spirit says, don't, and they say, so what? I'm going to do what I want. And the spirit stops speaking. Maybe they're quenching the Spirit. The Spirit says, do this. And they say, oh, I'm just going to ignore that. They ignore the Spirit. They resist the Spirit. They're not following the Spirit. All these things take place. And in the process, our discernment starts to get distorted. First Timothy chapter 4. Paul writes, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They were people who are believers and they will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites. They're liars and their consciences are dead. They're dead. That's what the New Living Translation, that's the word they use, it's dead. NIV and ESV use the word seared. Their conscience is seared. Their conscience is deadened. It's it's the Greek word katerizo. Katerizo. Do you hear something in there? You nurses, do you hear it? Cauterize. Your, 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 Your conscience is cauterized. It's seared to the point that it grows a scar. It's hardened and no longer even desires to do what God wants us to do. He says, be careful in this. If the Spirit has revealed directly through his word what you should do or what you shouldn't do, and you go, eh, so what? I really believe what I've seen from experience as well as the word is that after a while, the Spirit just stops contending with you. He just says, fine, do it your way for a while. Let's see how that works out for you. And before you know it, you're in that lovely place that they refer to as rock bottom, Hopefully nobody rescues you, puts pillows down there, they let you crash, and you go, the only way I got to go is up. I need help. I need help. But when we enter into a consistent pattern of disobedience, a consistent pattern of ignoring the Spirit, a consistent pattern of turning away what God has to say to us, the Spirit just says, have it your way. And we wonder why we can't figure out what God wants for us. Because we're not doing what he clearly says already. He's given us so many things that we can know. See, where we have to come to is that place in Psalm 139 that we just say to God, would you search me and know my heart? Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you during a time of confession, you're doing the Lord's Prayer in the morning and you come to that line about my trespasses, my sins, my debts, might you just say, point out anything in me, Spirit, that offends you. Anything. And then don't be surprised that he will. Because he will. Especially if you've been a believer for a while, you don't do overt sinful actions. You're great at sinning with your attitude. Attitude. Sinning with your heart, sinning on the inside. And the Spirit will point it out, point out the hypocrisy of that. How do we get trained in discernment? You got to know this. It's going to take some work. And for the rest of your life, you get to train in this. And you know what's cool about it? It's not like at the end of your life, it's done. We'll, We'll get to know God throughout all of eternity. So get to know this. Get to know Him. Enter into a relationship with him and then keep walking in that relationship and do what he says. Do what he says. Walk in the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Don't let, your, don't let your conscience become cauterized, seared, so you can't even hear what he's saying anymore. Father, God, help us to discern your holy will. We want to know what you want. And the funny part is you've told us so many things that you want. And we go, yeah, I know that, but I want to know something else. No. Help us to obey what you have revealed. And as we obey what you have revealed, we know that you will, you will help us to, uh, to understand the individual path that you have for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as we're in communion now, like I said, every week for a while, we're going to do one of the three prayers that we're praying together. And the prayer we're looking at today is the prayer for the lost. And so... Uh, this this is exactly the way it's laid out if you were to follow the words of this uh of this pathway uh, or perhaps you are like me just midday pulling out a list of names and saying god these people need you give me compassion for them and use me however you might to bring them to yourself so it starts with luke 15 suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them And so we pray for the lost by name. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind people you know who are far from God. And as they come to your mind, pray for them. Ask God, the Good Shepherd, to go after them, to restore them, and to bring them to salvation. So right now, bring names in your heart to God. for compassion ask God to give you a heart for the lost seeing as he sees and loving as he loves confess anything that is getting in the way of your compassion today too often we do not see lost people for what they are they're captives of the enemy give us compassion God confess anything that is getting in the way of your compassion today to be sent ask god to send you out with his empowering presence to incarnate your own prayer pursuing and loving the lost wouldn't it be amazing if there's someone that someone else is praying for in the room today and god brought you across that person's path and you were the one that helped bring them to jesus god wants to use you to bring people to jesus Let's pray that He would use us. Let's take that prayer to communion. Tables on the side and at the back. Bread and cup are there waiting for you. Gluten free is on either side of the platform here, as well as a table at the back. And as we do, uh, we'll be joining our voices in worship. I am, an imp- I am an imperfect father, um, but I've been given the privilege, the calling, the vocation in life of being a father. And when I get a chance to see my kids um, living out the full potential that God has given them, I just, I just can't stop smiling. Can't stop smiling. I want you to go from this place today with the smile of God on you. He's smiling. He loves you. And I'll tell you what, when you do what he says, huge smile comes across his face. And when you don't do what he says, he's kind of, uh, this kid, what am I going to do with him? <laughs> but you know what? He's always saying, come home. Come home. Don't stay out there. You don't have to do this alone. Come home. Come home. He loves you. He really, really loves you. So we're going to hang out for seven minutes. I'm going to give you, some, uh, you know, some things you can do. For those of you that this makes you tense. Uh, Lorraine's going to be over here. If you need to pray today, she'd be glad to pray with you. Brian's going to be over on this side. Uh, next week is that annual flag football game, the Turkey Bowl. I'm on injured reserve. Sorry, I'll just have to cheer. But um, if you want to know more about that, he'll be over here to talk to you about that. And for the rest of you, you know, I'm just telling you flatly, it's never easy to say, hi, my name is. It's not get over the delusion that it's the easiest thing in the history of earth. It's not. But I'll tell you what, once you get past that and you start to talk, it's amazing that you find a friend. So just take the risk of saying hi. See you later.